Okay, bus bench babes, we have the awesome Amber Miller here today of Threshold Homes. She is one of the top property flippers in the Twin Cities area. I love that she's all about education and just kind of showing you the behind the scenes of what she does. And I'm going to ask her all of the burning questions that I want to know that I hopefully you will want to know. So let's dive in. You're listening to the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast, where we invite you to check your ego at the app, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready to dive into all things real estate marketing, social media, friendship, hardship, love, money mindset, and all the things that celebrate you as a badass boss babe. We're here to encourage you, show up for you, give you a loving kick in the pants when you need it most, and be your soft place to land on the hardest of days. So pull up a seat at our table and get ready to be inspired and start living your best life by design. Welcome to the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast. We are so excited you're here. Okay, girls, let's dive in. Welcome, Amber. Thank you for being here. Of course. I'm so glad to have the opportunity to chat today. It's super fun. Yeah, it is. Okay, so fun fact. Yeah. You, there was something, every time I'd see you on social media and I'd watch your videos, my like, gosh, there's really something familiar about this girl. I don't know what it is. <laughs> and then you and I were messaging back and forth on Instagram one yeah. day and you you had mentioned something about wearing the spotted vest at Gatlin's at the Mall of America. I'm like, yes. I worked at Gatlin's. So we worked there at the same time. We it did. was owned by the Gatlin brothers. It was yes, the country bar that was. was at the Mall of America when mm-hmm. it first opened up. Yeah. And I don't know. I still don't like remember. You and I had to have worked together at some point. I worked in the restaurant and you worked in the nightclub. I did, yeah. But they were joined. They were connected, yep. So isn't that weird? That did is you work weird. there when it first opened? I worked there shortly after it opened. Okay, so I worked there for like a year and a half. So for sure we would have crossed paths there. So that's why you seem familiar. Yeah. But that was what? Circa 91, 92? It was a long time ago. It was a very long time ago. I was was still in college. That was my college job. I had just graduated from high school. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yes. Yes. We got to dig out pictures and compare our oh like ugly cow spotted. And they weren't like leather vests. They were no. cotton vests yes. with cow prints on them. I wish I still had mine though, because in the <laughs> nightclub, we had people who would autograph them when they would come and do shows. <gasps> oh, yeah. So Shania Twain, Alan Jackson, for those who are country fans. Yeah. Um, Little Texas, Tanya Tucker. There was a ton of people who right. I had signatures right. on my vest from and I, I didn't even think about that I never had signatures on mine but we had yeah. some really awesome I hated country music and my roommate at the time <laughs> I, I said she's like oh I'm so excited you're gonna work at a country bar and I said Julie it's gonna be a cold day in hell before I'm like into country music I yeah. hate country music so much and literally like a month after I started working there I came over came home from work and I'm like well hell must have frozen over because I'm kind of liking this country I'm music thing okay with and I've now. liked it ever since yeah it's it's a life changer that's for sure it's awesome yeah oh yeah your autograph vest you could sell that thing now I'm pretty sure it's long gone I'm pretty That's sure there's no one in that down anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's been too many years now. With how cheap that it was, it probably would have just disintegrated too. Probably. Probably the Sharpie might have worn off too. Who knows? <laughs> I love it. Well, okay, Samber, when you're not flipping homes, yeah. what do you do for fun? What do I do for fun? I love to travel. Um, 
our kids are a little bit older now, so that's become a bit easier. And as funny as it sounds, I really think um, even just looking at houses, like mm-hmm. <laughs> designing houses, all of that kind of seeps over into my my free time too. So, do you do that when you travel? Are you guys like, oh, hey, well, let's every go look place at some we houses. go. Oh, yeah, every place we go, we're looking at houses. Yeah, and just like looking at the markets, looking at mm-hmm. what's going on. Um, Airbnbs, short-term rentals are a really interesting thing to me right now in some of the places we've gone and just seeing what's happened over the last two years. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so yeah, it, it it does carry over a little bit into what we, weekends. <laughs> Occupational answer. Most weekends, yes. If I'm not doing something with the business, then, you know, Parade of Homes is something I enjoy. <laughs> so it's really something that kind of encompasses a lot of my time. Um, but I've made a commitment this year where I'm going to try to read two books a month. So I'm trying to work on that. Love as, that. Again, as kids grow up, you get a little bit more flexibility with time. How old are your kids? Um, I have a daughter who just turned 20. Wow. And I have a daughter who is 14. Oh, yeah. You're kind of on the, you get your, you don't have babysitters yeah, no. anymore. Like, no, I can leave we don't you have home to worry about that. A while. Yeah, yeah, we don't have to worry about that. So, yeah, but a lot of still what I try to focus on, you know, is just kind of still having routine, even when we're traveling and just, you know, doing the things I normally do at home in the morning. So exercise is a part of my day. I try to meditate just because you need that peace. Uh, yeah, especially um, in this industry. Oh my goodness. Yes. So those types of things I have, um, I tried to convince one of my kiddos to uh, be my tennis partner over the last two oh, years. Um, I, that's something I did and then didn't do for a long time. So, and I, Is she on board? No, she's not. <laughs> not You're like, dang it. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so I'm, I think I'm still, I'm really focused on finding a hobby this year. That was one of my goals. Um, but to be seen, I guess, or to be determined. Exactly. <laughs> We're what only that in Q two. You have plenty of time. I know, right? Oh, okay. So the burning question of the hour: like, yeah. where did this all begin? So you you flip homes full time, like this. You just celebrated your nine year anniversary of flipping homes full time. Yeah. So it all started. Gosh, it was. I'll say for a good amount of years, I had some level of interest in just seeing what people were doing with this business. And when I talk about that, I mean, this was even before HG, it was, it wasn't even on HGTV back then. Um, So there was, I think there was a show on A&E. I honestly used to watch Bob Vila on Sunday mornings. We just like that. My husband and I. That was just something we would do. We thought home he'd improvement, do really and renovation. Houses. Yeah, he's gorgeous, right? Yeah. Um, he's kind of the OG when it yeah. comes to this type of stuff as far as renovation goes. So all of that was always really interesting to me. I didn't have a background in real estate and design, renovate nothing. What was like your background? That. Um, I actually was in financial services. <laughs> wow! So totally different. Totally different, right? And so. I always kind of had this interest and it was kind of in the back of my head. And at the same time, I remember as I was finishing my uh, degree at co- in college, I remember being on the shuttle and going to campus to take class. And I remember thinking to myself, I know this is what you're supposed to do. Like everybody, mm-hmm. you're supposed to go to college. That's what, that's what people tell you you're supposed to do. But I would sit in that bus and I would be like, but what business am I going to start? And so that's probably where the entrepreneurial part was. Yeah. Like so you weren't even thinking about nagging. who you were going to work for. You were like, no. well, how, what am I 
No, yeah. it wasn't even. It was, the seed was already there. There was a seed that was there. And so I did the, you know, I did the college thing. I got a job and I started my corporate career. And about, gosh, maybe like five or six years in, I started to realize that no matter what you do in a ty- in that type of environment, you're really always, so you're always really, your future is determined by other people mm-hmm. to some extent, right? Yeah. So you can be an excellent employee. You can do everything right. You can have tenure. You can be a leader. And if they decide to reorganize a department, you might be on your way out with a box. Right. And so I worked for a company where that was something that we saw quite regularly every couple of years. And I went through an experience where I was on a team and I'd been there for seven, eight years at this point. And you know, they, we knew there was going to be a restructure and our manager said we were fine. The next morning we walk in, he pulls all of us to a conference room and says, I need everybody to line up outside. Two of you are losing your jobs today. Oh my and gosh. We, we found out after that fact was he had gotten a call from HR the night before. He'd been told <sighs> his department and team were safe. They made it, they changed they changed their minds. And so he, and he, that's and horrible for literally him. And he told us, yeah. Guys. So literally he told us they brought him into a room and on a conference table was every one of our personnel files. And there's, they said, pick two. Doesn't matter which two. Oh, that sucks. Right? So, and I think, you know, when you work in corporate America, you know that this is always a possibility. I've never done, I've never really worked in corporate America. Oh my gosh. I, don't, I couldn't do it. <laughs> um, but you still think like somehow you can make this work. Like somehow yeah. it won't be you. Like right. somehow if you do the right thing. So coupling that experience and then with the... Were you one of the two? I was not. I didn't think you would I was be. not. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it was a really... It was a pivotal moment for me because I thought to myself, then that entrepreneurial thing came back mm-hmm. where I was like, okay, my future right now, though it might look secure and people might feel like they're secure when they have this position in a company, I know that it's not. I know that it's somebody else determining mm-hmm. whether or not I come back on Monday morning, whether or not I get a raise, whether or not I get a promotion, how much I'm worth. Like those types of things all kind of started to weigh on me. And I was like, gosh, you know, I just, I need to go back to that entrepreneurial thing and figure this out. So that was when I literally said to my husband, I'm like, I've been pondering this, you know, for years, you know, a couple, at least a couple years at that point. And I said, I'm just going to flip one house and see if it works. And he was like, okay, go for it. <laughs> like, okay. Were you that person that was always into like decorating and redecorating your house and like imagining what your current house could be? Or was yes. it? Okay. I was. Okay. I was. I did have an interest in that, but I had never done a full renovation. I mean, at that point, the most extensive thing I had probably done was replace flooring. Okay. You know, and at, at that point, too, you know, budgets being what they were. I mean, if I I had a kitchen where I hated the cabinets, I just painted them. Yeah. And I didn't even do it properly. I didn't yeah. prep them right. I didn't use the right kind of paint. <laughs> You're like, looks better than it did. My husband was gone for the weekend, and I was like, I can't look at this anymore. So I just took off all the hinges and the doors, and yeah, it wasn't the best job, but that was the kind of renovation I had experience yeah. with. So, yeah, that, so that's really what started it. So... Where was your first property? What was what tell me about your first property? So the first property I ever bought was I actually had a partner that I purchased that property with. Um coincidentally it was somebody that I worked with at my corporate career 
um, who I actually think was the biggest catalyst for me starting um, because they kept coming back to me. They had invested $25,000 in a real estate investing course. Wow. And they kept coming back to me and they said, hey, we, you know, we bought this, I got this real estate course and I think it'd be really interesting for you if you want to mm-hmm. go have these on it. And I was like, no, like, I'm not going to, that's a lot of money. Like, I'm yeah. not going to do that. And they came back like two or three more times. And the last time they came back, they said, look, let's just buy one house together and flip it and we'll pay off the $25,000 course mm-hmm. that I paid for mm-hmm. and we can decide then what we want to do. So that's what we did. Wow. So we did that course um, and it was what you'd expect a $25,000 course to be. It was um, a lot of things that you can find other places. Right. Right. Because at the end of the day, anything that you invest in is, isn't going to help without any action. Yep. So I think that's probably in that situation, it was probably the catalyst for moving that house, yeah. that project, giving urgency to buying that flip. Yeah. So the first one we bought was $64,000 and it was in a neighborhood in St. Paul. And I think it needed about $30,000 in work, if I remember correctly. Which that was a lot of money 15 years ago. It was a lot of money, but the house was actually in pretty good shape. We didn't, okay. we reused. Like just cosmetic mainly? Cosmetic, yep. A lot of paint, um, a lot of cleaning of cabinets, mm-hmm. new appliances. Um, but we didn't rip out, you know, the kitchen. Mm-hmm. We used what was there, kept the floor plan pretty much the same, um, put carpet in, didn't do a lot with yeah. flooring, you know, those types of things. Basement was pretty much intact just paint and carpet. Um, and I think we ended up making right around 27000 on that property. So and it was almost maybe, at break even after yep, you paid. And it was maybe like a 10-week flip. Yeah. So Does that factor in paying off your course? No, the 27 was without paying okay. off the course. So, so yeah. you guys were like, okay, we pretty much broke yeah. even. Now, yeah. now what are we going to yeah. do? So we proved we could do it. The interesting thing about that was we did need the money to get the house because we didn't have cash. Yeah. So that was a little bit of a creative uh, process. But what did you do for the financing? I, I think that's what, yeah. what makes a lot of people. So this would have been 2008. Mm-hmm. There wasn't the type of lending available no. for flip projects that there is now. Hard money lenders weren't in existence back then. Yeah. So it was pretty much a traditional mortgage. Well, and the market was having problems back then. It was. Yeah. And we had, um, and I had gone to some lenders and tried to find different mm-hmm. financing options for us. And nobody was really interested in flips. No. And I, I had lenders tell me, we don't have an appetite for that, especially when you don't have any experience. Mm-hmm. And we don't have an appetite for that with the market being what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to buy rentals, we'll happily do that. And I was like, well, that's not what I want to do. So we had to figure out a different way. I did something that probably most people would cringe at in that I took a cash advance check from a credit card with an extremely high limit that I didn't have a balance on. And I wrote a check. Yeah. And that's where I got my funding for my portion of the mortgage and for the renovation. Hey, it worked. It did work. Yeah. And I think that's where people sometimes get stuck not even getting started Mm -hmm. is they only seek funding options in one or two arenas. Like traditional methods instead of thinking outside the box. So I think 
that's an indicator of the motivation, right? Right. So if you really want to do something, you yeah. find a way to do or it. Or their threshold for risk. Or their threshold <laughs> for risk. Correct. So again, in you know, so in alignment with that, I was very aware that while that check was out there mm-hmm. funding that flip, we were going to have an additional payment every month that we hadn't counted yeah. on. And I made sure that we had that covered. Yeah. And that we were comfortable knowing that that might not come back. Or if it came back, it might be over a longer period of time than we would like. But we were okay with that. And your husband, is he wasn't that risk adverse? He's no, like, not at all. So he obviously believed in you. Obviously, yeah. And I think you, you know, I think there's an opportunity to, people tend to focus on one scenario. And in any situation, any decision you make, there's three outcomes, right? Easily, You're either yeah. going to be in a better position, yeah. same position, or worse. Yeah. In one of those situations, it's not great. But in two of them, it's it's fine. You didn't lose right. anything, right? That's a great way to look at it. Do you view everything in life like that? I I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> but when it comes to the business, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that, you know. And I also will say, too, I've known people who haven't had successful flips mm-hmm. and didn't come out financially the way they wanted to. They had mm-hmm. a loss. And they might not have come out with more money, but they came out with more experience. They then carry to another project with them, and they don't mm-hmm. make those same mistakes twice. Um, that is absolutely what happened to me when I bought a house, <laughs> and then the market crashed. Mm-hmm. And I lived in it while we were going to renovate it. Mm-hmm. Same thing. I absolutely lost my ass on it. But yeah. the amount of knowledge, I, I probably couldn't even pay a college education for what I learned. Yeah. So yeah. it's funny because I sent out an email. I have a weekly email that I send out with a link to the blog post that I do. And so the one I sent out this morning was, um, what did you want to be when you grew up? Because <laughs> I don't think anybody grows up and is like, oh, I want to find really awful houses, right? <laughs> that I can negotiate a discount on and renovate them and hire contractors. Like people don't think that, no. you know, I mean, even when I was a kid, I had no idea. But there's so much value in this that it almost feels wrong to call it just one thing because it's project management, it's leadership, it's hiring mm-hmm. and firing, it's, you know, time management, it's budgeting, you know, so there's so many aspects of it that come together for it to be successful that it feels like you kind of shortchange it when you just say, oh, it's flipping. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I don't think people even if you just say the word, none of those things that you just listed come to people's mind. Right. They just think you get to pick out pretty paint colors and sure. tile and light fixtures. And you're like, oh, yay. Right. They don't think that that is, it's actually a career. You're running an organization. Yeah. You're an entrepreneur. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, something else I love about you is how important education is to you. Yeah. And you are always educating people that want to be educated about flipping. Like, where did that passion come from? So that was something that about 2018, I started to realize there was a lot of people on social media kind of sharing their businesses and stories and not so much flipping specifically, but I had just been in the last three or four years prior to that. So like 2012, 2013, I had started to get asked to speak at different investor events Mm -hmm. um, with banks, lenders, vendors, that type of thing in the Twin Cities here. And what was so interesting to me was I'd be on a panel and I'd be the only woman. Of course. And it wasn't just one venue. I mean, that was literally what it was almost every place I went. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was interesting. And then I thought about what I was 
looking for when I got started when I was trying to educate myself. Because of course, you're in that, you know, I'm going to devour every piece of information I can find because I don't want to be unprepared. But what I found was everything online, it seemed that everything was very centralized around the profit and how much you could make in a month. Mm-hmm. And it was usually people who didn't look like me. They weren't moms. They didn't have corporate <laughs> careers. They weren't looking for something to figure out if they were, you know, maybe in the wrong career path, right? right. Um, I didn't have uh, I didn't have a desire for a Lamborghini. Yeah. And I wasn't wearing short You were like a I wasn't leaning Italian right. looking guy? Correct, correct. <laughs> and, you know, I wasn't the guy that, you know, you, you think is going to swindle your grandmother, yeah. right? Like, yeah. so I really felt like there was such a disconnect when I started to put all this together. And then I mentioned to you earlier, I didn't start, I started flipping so long ago <laughs> in 2007 and 2008. That was before Instagram was even a thing. Yeah. It, it, Instagram came out in like 2011. Yeah. I didn't think people were really interested in the process of flipping. I knew everybody right. liked the end product, right? right? Um, But I didn't realize that I had been I had had my head down and been building a business for years. Mm-hmm. And so I thought to myself, there's an opportunity to share things with people about this process so they don't have to feel intimidated by it, so they know that they don't have to fit into a certain mold to be successful to do it. And it doesn't have to be something that right away you're like, okay, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to go flip houses full time. Right. You can create the speed and the business that you want and set your own pace. It took me six years before I went from flipping houses part-time to doing it full-time. Did So you you were still worked your corporate yes, job for six years? I did. And then nights and weekends? Yeah, I flipped yeah. houses. I love that. Yeah. Were you actually swinging hammers or were you more managing crews? So I have done demo. Yeah. And I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, in my defense, I have done demo in some really, really icky houses. Well, yeah, like, you got to start somewhere. I'm right? talking, and I'm talking like you're pulling up carpet that is only supposed to have tax strips around the perimeter, and you've got every inch, inch and a half with a staple. Oh. So as you're oh pulling gosh. it up, yeah. right? And it's the original carpet that's been there for 50 plus years. And it's Every like time you pull it, right, it is like Ugh. there's those little snaps as it staples are coming out and more and more stuff is coming out of the carpet. Gross. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, it was gross. And also paneling in basements where their paneling was literally glued to a concrete wall. No insulation behind it, and the basement's <laughs> taken on water over the years. You know, those, like, that it. kind of demo is not so fun. Um, but I did it because I wanted to know what the process was. I wanted to understand it. Um, I've also done, done some things, and these are all in smaller projects. But what I've come to realize is when you have projects, if you want to be efficient and run it as a business, it helps to look at your time cost of money, right? Your time, what, you know, you might think you're saving $1,500, but if it's keeping you from finding that next flip, yeah, it's probably better that you go find that flip and have somebody else do the demo for you. So like, are you truly saying like, you don't do a lot of the- I don't anymore. Really? Yeah. Not Not even like paint or anything? No. That was me in the last flip where I'm like, oh my gosh, I was doing it like when I wasn't selling houses. Yeah. And wasn't recording podcasts. Yeah. You know? 
yeah. nights and weekends yeah. with my parents and hubby and I. And yeah. I'm like, this probably isn't the best use of my time. No. But it's, I mean, I know exactly what brush you need to cut in with. Right. Because I have painted, but it's much better for me at this to be in the field looking for to be your in next the field one. to doing to be doing the other things that I do yeah. that nobody else can do yeah and then also you know somebody who can go in and spray a house out with paint right is gonna do it much faster than I could <laughs> they're like do I'm not it's first of all I'm not gonna spray <laughs> I've tried to, I've tried using a sprayer in projects in my own house and it, it's not as easy as you think let's just put it that way Yes, I saw my husband doing that, and it ended up being a complete nightmare. Yes, and then the cleaning process of the oh paint sprayer is something that can just drive you over the edge. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's so probably I actually... sitting in my garage not properly cleaned out, if you want to be honest about that. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually am a big advocate for people when they're flipping, especially if they've got other things going on, mm-hmm. to make sure they're getting bids because they might not be saving as much as they think they'll be saving yeah. when it comes to the DIY stuff, especially if it's not something that they're used to doing yeah. and it's not something that they're particularly skilled in doing because that can be something that then becomes kind of that – hump that you can't get over with your flip. If you need to get in there to do something and it's delaying other people, other yeah. trades, um, if the quality at the end isn't what a buyer would expect and it can affect your resale or your time on the market, I've seen that happen too. It's incredible how many junky flips are out there right now oh. all over the metro. <laughs> so I don't know like if you yes. are out with buyers yes. looking at flips, but like I'm out there going, I'm not quite sure how this turned out so terribly and how yeah. someone thinks they're actually going to get top dollar for it. Yeah. Just because we're in a seller's market doesn't mean you can put junk on the market and think that it's going to sell for 50 grand over market value. Yeah, I agree. And I've also seen flips where, you know, they just paint over wallpaper. Oh, and where they dreadful. install yep. like an LVP flooring, but the subfloor they put it on top of, or they probably put it on top of something else. Right. It wasn't level. Right. And so it pops and snaps when you walk across it. Yeah. And I've seen new hardware on cabinets where the bottoms had rotted out on the sink, under the sink cabinet. Right. Right. So, yeah. I mean, like, there's. What are you doing? Yeah. I mean, there's always those projects. And I've done this for so long now, as I know you've been in the business too. Mm-hmm. Those happen at any time in the yeah. market. They happen when the market's not hot. They happen when the market's yeah. hot. You know, Because somebody's trying to make a quick buck and they're just being lazy. Yeah. They're not taking off hinges before they just go and paint everything yes. and doorknobs. And you're like, this doesn't take that long to do this right. Yes, that is And have true. it look good. Yeah. So one of the things, actually one of the reels I did on Instagram was I was walking through that flip and I was like, here's ways to spot a flip that's not Oh, really? I don't need, I need to go back and look at that. Um, and it actually, I had a ton of comments about it because <laughs> I think people who are interested in real estate and mm-hmm. renovation often will follow, you know, they might not be flipping right now, but they might be looking at houses mm-hmm. for themselves or they might be trying to find a fixer up of their own, fixer upper of their own to, you know, build equity in and improve mm-hmm. over the years. So I think sometimes that education aspect is appealing to people just to be able to spot those things. Because I know... When I bought our first personal house years ago, I had no knowledge of real estate at right. all. I mean, we bought a house that had a furnace that was 12 years older than we both were when we bought the house. <laughs> and no inspector or agent. That that was a problem. That was crazy. Right? It's, <laughs> yeah. 
it's crazy. And I always tell buyers, like when we're when I walk into a house, I'm like, you're going to look at the pretty stuff and I'm going to look at the stuff that's going to cost you a bunch of money. Yeah. And that's how we're going to do this. Yeah. And then I'm going to point out things that would be concerning to me if this were me thinking about buying this house. And they're like, oh, thank God, this is right. relief. Especially if you're working with like a first or second time buyer that haven't yeah. been down that road enough and maybe parents aren't helping them. Like, I don't want to get that phone call after the sale that I sold them a crap house yeah. because I didn't do my job. Yeah. And I think too... There is, there's a savviness now to buyers as well that talking about the cosmetic mm-hmm. stuff, right? You know, they there's an expectation that did not exist <laughs> ten years ago, right? right? And it was, you know, I see people put houses on the market now and they've they, they're flipped, but they, you know, they chose colors that were popular ten years ago, right? right. So, you know, they do the Let's be honest, that's usually the guys that are flipping the properties. You know, I can almost always tell when a woman was not involved. Yep. Yep. It's, <laughs> um, it's but pretty I will say that goes spot. for new construction too. Yeah. Um, so I, I look at those properties too. But there is and that's why from a seller standpoint or from a flipping standpoint, it does make more sense to pay a professional to do your tile so that mm-hmm. it's straight, right? Because mm-hmm. it might not look like it's crooked to you, but once you get those cabinets in, like, you know, that's gonna be something. And it's Everything is an indication of what else is quite not quite right, right? Right. So you know they didn't fill the nail holes with caulk and paint them and touch up, right? Yeah. Or there's no base trim. Yeah. Or there's no crown. Like there's there's all these little things. The locks are installed upside down. Mm-hmm. We see that all the all time. the time, and it's like <laughs> this is yeah, it scares these are me because it's like things. if you cut corners there, where else 100%, did you cut corners? One hundred percent. So it's those really small details that really kind of all come together to create the the house. And they're all important. Well, and I think all these buyers nowadays that are renting the luxury apartments, yes. their standard is totally different than like what you said from 10 years ago. Yeah. When everyone lived in like junky apartments as their first, like while they were getting started in their career, everyone lived in crap places. Right. In my era. Like, yeah. Nobody lived in a nice place. Yeah. And now everybody lives in like really bougie apartments. And so then when they're buying their first place, they're like, they want it to look nice. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so crazy. And, and people are not, you know, and people are willing to pay for homes where they can literally move in and yeah. not have to do anything or do very yeah. little. And paint is a big thing for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I think, again, we see people now buying houses who have no handyman or like, well, and renovation no, trade and didn't skills. grow up learning how and to didn't do grow any up of those learning things. Learning how to do it, right? It's like the mechanic thing too. Like, yeah, my dad was a me- my dad worked on car. My dad drove cars and worked on them as a yeah. high schooler, right? Years, years ago, my dad was always my mechanic when I yeah. grew up. There's people now who know nothing about cars mm-hmm. because they didn't have that type of upbringing. Like, it's kind of interesting, but I think the same thing has happened with home improvement and renovation too. I grew up in a really handy family. So I totally yep. take that for granted. And people say, well, how much is this going to cost to fix? And I'm like, well, if you're in my family or if you're in your family or no one in your family's handy, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I get the family discount. I don't have to pay for that stuff. Right. So right. I really, it's something now I don't take for granted. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So something that the real estate's ever changing. I'm like, it's shocking that you got into the business when you got into it yeah. and actually like, well, probably because everything was so crazy, like now feels probably like a cakewalk. But are are there ever projects that you've had where you, the market is shifting while you're in the middle of doing a project and you're 
freaking out or you're losing sleep because you're like, holy crap, we have a lot of money here on the line. And what if the market shifts just enough where we're going to be stuck carrying this property longer than we planned for? Yeah. So I guess the one thing I would say is um, I got into this business at a really odd time because the Wall Street was changing. The market was Mm -hmm. changing. We had foreclosures rising. And so people tend to think that that was probably a really good time to get in. Really? But I will tell you, nobody wanted to lend you any money. True. So everything you well, had to get, yeah, I worked right? in the mortgage business and real estate back then, yeah. <laughs> I mean, getting a was, loan was nearly yeah. impossible. So everything we did, we had to self-fund. Okay. Um, and that was through ways we did on our own. Mm-hmm. Um, cash advances on credit cards. I wrote myself a check. <laughs> There's my portion of the renovation budget. Um, I took a loan on my 401k. Um, because there was no mm-hmm. source for funding at that time. And then I will also say that even when houses were $25,000, if they were that price, there was more than one person interested in it. Oh, so yeah. almost everything back then, even we were buying, was multiple offers. Okay. Um, because if there's money to be made and profit to be made, right? There's Someone's gonna be always going to want to jump on right? it. Yeah. And what was, what was interesting about that is, it probably felt the scariest to me back then because I had the least amount of experience. That's crazy. And, and the smallest the dollar smallest prices And too. the most to lose, right? Yeah. Like, you know, if we'd had a house back then that, you know, didn't go well and, you know, I mean, my salary was, you know, pretty moderate. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that would have stung a bit. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I mean, everything going into multiple offers, I was like, well, at least I know I'm in the right room, right? Yeah. Because- if other people want to do this too, yeah. then that must mean that there's opportunity. I just have to stick with it and I have to make sure I manage my budget and my numbers so that it doesn't mm-hmm. bite me. Um, so that's how I did it back then. I never really felt like there was a ton of risk because when I look at projects and I do this now even, I look at them and I say to myself, okay, obviously option A we always want is – we're buying it for a flip. We want to sell it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to have it done in 16 weeks. And, you know, we want to have these numbers met. If for some reason it doesn't work out that way, though, I also have my plan B, which would be to convert it to a rental. Yeah. And back then it was more difficult because we didn't have the history and the right. business experience to be able to take to a lender and say, here, this is what we've got. And we didn't have the relationships with lenders right. that we have now. So I don't really worry about it now. Um well, in our rental, like our especially like our luxury rental market right now is yeah. so hot. It is, and it so you is, could probably cash flow in your well, properties are so beautiful. You know, and there's such a lack of inventory right. too. And if you look at the market that we're in, I know every market's different across the country, but we have a lot of very large employers in the Twin Cities. Mm-hmm, we do, and we have people who get relocated here, and there's no inventory right now mm-hmm. for houses. They can't buy a house. Right. And there's only, I think, I've only found in my search one community out in the West Metro that really caters to with, you know, to those types of relocations. Mm-hmm. And it's a community of single family built houses that was done three, four years ago. Is that and, the one up in Maple Grove? Um, it's in Plymouth. Oh, there's um, one that's all rentals up in Maple Grove. Mills too. Creek is the one up in Maple Grove. Okay, I I was like, these are so cute. Yeah, I was like, they're all the white and ones, the, the luxury rentals. I'm like, this is such a smart idea. Yes, and that was built by Pulte in 2019. So smart. There's like 66 of them, but there's yeah. a larger one that was built by the same company. Um, I can't think of what the name of it is. They have a 10 month waiting list right oh now. Oh my gosh! Because if you think about people yeah. relocating here. 
if you've got a family, you want to get here, get your kids in school, yeah. right? You don't have time to, you know, new construction's a year mm-hmm. right now from maybe the time you pick your lot until you're moving in. Yep. Pretty close to it. Um, there's no excess inventory in new construction. No. And we have no existing homes. So there are people that I know who have started out as flipping and then have moved to that kind of luxury rental market. So it's a totally different business model, but totally in this market, it would be model. super successful. Yeah. So I think, you know, and a lot of times people are like, well, you know, interest rates and, and, you know, there's a lot of things that are always going mm-hmm. to shift. But if you're being relocated by your employer, typically mm-hmm. there's also a housing budget that a you're housing package. Yeah. yeah. That you're working with. And so it, it's got a little bit less vulnerability or fluctuation mm-hmm. in that term as well. So something that's interesting. But I think about, Maybe about 2011, 2011, I started to notice we were seeing the market starting to really come back. Mm-hmm. And I was working in houses that were probably considered like very first time home buyer. Like maybe they were even using some housing assistance programs for down payment from the city of Minneapolis used to offer that years ago. Um, or that I think there was an FHA credit mm-hmm. as well. So all feels like it was 20 years ago, but I know it was not. Um, but what we started to see was the houses we were trying to buy were getting more expensive, but they weren't necessarily translating in the areas we were working in at that time. They weren't move, moving up mm-hmm. on the resale side as quickly in some of those lower areas, lower income areas. Right. Where I would say maybe like your North Minneapolis, your St. Yep. Paul, Frogtown, over in those yep. areas. So... What I started to see was those areas seem to be more sensitive as well from a buyer standpoint to when those programs stopped. Mm-hmm. So you 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 know you'd have an influx of people who were interested right. in buying in those areas, and then when those programs weren't available, it would slow down. The other thing I saw was um, there was some big hedge fund companies coming in from out of state who were buying up half the block it's of crazy. houses, right? And we were trying to cater to home buyers. And homeowners. Mm-hmm. And so people started to push, get a little bit more uncertain about buying a house if they knew half the block was rental properties. Corporate owned, yeah. Corporate owned rental right. properties, yep. Um, so then I started, so I kind of p- made a pivot and I started to look for houses that were in more first ring suburbs. Mm-hmm. So districts that were great for schools that people were looking for, but still had affordable housing that we could buy, go in and make improvements, but had a, a higher ceiling mm-hmm. and where people were willing to pay more because of that. So that's probably one of the big pivots I made that was a, made a big difference in business. Well, and then you, that also cost more money. So It did cost more money. So but the you, other, you were seasoned then. Well, so the other thing I did at that time was I started using hard money lenders and started instead of using all my own capital. Okay. So that gave us the flexibility as well. Did that not freak you out? Because, I mean, if anybody listening to this podcast, hard money lenders, generally the interest rates on them are not pretty. No, they're not pretty. But it's a means to an end for sure. It's a means to an end. So I think there's there's so many myths about house house flipping and the the financial part of it and all of that. That that's could be like that could be like a a week long series, right? (laughs) But what I think is interesting is everything comes down to how you view it, so your perspective. Mm -hmm. So I could use my own cash and do a property and I'm going to have 
less capital to work with because I've got to come mm-hmm. with it all, the purchase price and the renovations. And then I'm tied up until I close, right? I don't yeah. have proof of funds. I have nothing to show another lender if I or another seller if I want to buy another property. Right. So I'm losing time too. And I'm losing opportunities. If I use a hard money lender and it costs me ten thousand dollars and I make forty, right? So I made forty thousand dollars, it cost me ten. If I have to turn down that project because I don't have my own capital, I made nothing. True. So you just fa- you're factoring that into your cost of Absolutely. doing business. It's cost of doing business. Yeah, hundred percent. So are you still using hard money? So hard money was a great way to get the relationships with lenders because you're getting more properties under your belt as far as experience goes. Okay. So for your tax returns and whatnot. Yeah. Um, banks still back in 2011 weren't big on flips. No. They were still pretty gun shy. Um I I, I think after 0708 they were still looking their wounds sure, pretty good back for then. For sure. Um I think it was really interesting after years of going and trying to get loans from banks or programs where banks would fund me. I remember it's like 2012, 2013 maybe. I actually had a lender call me, a bank, a local bank, small bank, call me and say, "Hey, we heard you do this. Is that mm-hmm. true?" And I said, "Yes." And they said, we want to create a pilot program because we want to cater to clients like you. Wow. It's <laughs> like, what? Like You're like, I've been bang, banging like, your door down for well, years. And I, I had never been to this particular yeah. bank, but I was like, okay, how do you know I about banged me? down every other bank store. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you know about me? But number two, like, we're now at a point where... You're coming to me. You guys want my business. And wow. I was like, that's pretty interesting. Like, that's that just shows what can happen when you just stick with something and yeah. keep going because you know that it works. Eventually the, the things around you, the environment does change. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty interesting, I thought. But yeah, that gave us an opportunity awesome. to do some different things. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't use traditional hard money lenders often right. anymore um, because I use private lenders. So I And have, which do you, I'm assuming it's a much better interest rate and it's, you know, honestly, it's not far off yeah. from hard money because it does need to be competitive with where else they could get returns right now. Okay. So that's one of the things we always look at, too, is we want to make sure that we're being fair mm-hmm. in what we do with our business and how we um, how we do our rates and structure our deals and all of that. So, so now we do a com- combination of commercial lending and private loans. So then so when we cool. go to close, we don't bring anything to the table. And oftentimes we'll even be getting a check to go and get our down payments to the contractors to get them started. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. It's like the best oh kept gosh. secret when it comes I to I want to be you when living. I grow up. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So how do you, when you're, so you're out scouting for properties. I'm sure like that in and of itself could be a full-time job. It could, yeah. So like how are you getting... I, I, I'm assuming it's a lot of off-market stuff. Do people come to you with properties nowadays? Like, how does that all look? And so, how do you identify what's a good property or not? Yeah. Okay, good questions. Okay, let me think about these. So the majority of the projects we per- we do now are still purchased off the MLS. That's been the number one source for my really? projects okay. for years. Okay. Yes. Um, we do get referrals. We have people who... Um, know what we do and they know somebody who needs to get rid of a house and they don't want to sell it on the market. Mm -hmm. Um, We have relationships with other agents who say, hey, we've got this coming, but they really don't want to do a traditional sale. So if you guys are interested and you want to walk through, take a look at it. Um, We, I used to do some marketing 
um, to homeowners. Um, you can run the list and get people who are like out of state owners, right? The trouble with that in Minnesota is you get a good amount of people who have an address in like Arizona or Florida mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're not really wanting to sell their house. They're snowbirds. Yeah. Um, but we actually don't have a lot of out of state owners in Minnesota. Yeah. It's not like other parts of the it's country. It's not a big, yeah. And so I think that just the word of mouth thing has worked well for mm-hmm. us. Um, and then, yeah, with what's on the market, working with that too. There's a lot of opportunity that I think sometimes people miss um, because they just assume it's not there. So, yeah, that's one of the things we've done. I was, I'm always telling buyers, I'm like, I scream it from the mountaintops. Yeah. Look at properties up and down the market five days or more right now. Yeah, five days and or more right like, now. People are like, well, it's ugly. And I'm like, but that's where the money lies in right. an ugly house right. that's being poorly marketed. That's right. where the money is. I always tell people too, they're like, well, the price that what they're, what they're listing for doesn't work. Like the numbers don't work. And I'm like, it's negotiable. Like, yeah, you, you can't ever be told yes if you don't ask. Right. So I've yeah. bought properties from the MLS where I negotiated the purchase price $90,000 down from what it was listed at. Yeah. You don't ever know. Someone just – a lot of times it's just throwing a spitball at the wall to see what's going to stick. Well, yeah. And I will say there's a level of etiquette when you do that. Like don't <laughs> just course. like come out of left field and write an <laughs> offer for 90 below and be like, what do you mean they said no, right? <laughs> um, there's a whole etiquette. To the agency part of this, which we right. don't probably have time for that either. But, <laughs> you know, if if somebody, you know, likely a listing agent knows when the mm-hmm. house is yeah. good for a owner yeah. occupant or an investor, right? Right. So if you schedule a showing and go look at it and you're like, you know, it's got great potential, but the price just doesn't work for me, mm-hmm. tell them that. Send yeah. them an email, make a phone call, yeah. right? Tell them like, you know, hey, we love this property. We think we could definitely work with it. Unfortunately, looking at the renovation budget, and what we think we could sell it for, this number doesn't work. So if your if your seller's open, we can make an offer at a different price and see what happens. Yeah, it doesn't have to be complicated. Well, and it's that's as simple as like two sentences. Yeah, and it's the it, yeah, like you said, the answer yes. is either yes or no. Yes, it's always no until you ask. Yes, yeah. And the other thing is the phone is such a wonderful tool when you want to have conversations with people and really find out yes. like what the situation is. It you might yeah. be surprised like. You might think somebody's going to be a holdout and is like, we aren't going to take one cent less. Mm -hmm. You might find out there's six kids and two of them wanted it for this price, but the other four wanted it $100,000 less. You just never know. The whole art of talking on the phone in general is Is. gone by the wayside. Yeah, it has. Yeah, I'm always telling newer agents, I'm like, if you want to help out your clients, you need to pick up the phone and actually talk to the other agent Mm because you're going to be shocked at how much information Mm -hmm. that they're probably not supposed to tell you that they'll tell you Mm -hmm. every single day. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, how else do you know if they're going to present an offer right away or if they're going to hold them for five days? Yeah, you have no idea. You know, they're not going to tell you that most likely unless you have a conversation with them. And then that gives you an opportunity to also tell them, I would make this offer worth you looking at right now. Right. (laughs) Right? Because that's a strategy too. So. Well, so how do you manage marriage, mom life, running a super successful business? Like, how do you do that? You make it look really easy. Oh my goodness. I don't know how I make it look easy. <laughs> I feel like um, every single day is just an opportunity to do something a little bit better. So whether that be I don't hit my snooze button in the morning, which is that's probably like one of my worst habits ever, <laughs> um, or whether it's just 
trying to make sure that I am intentional about the time I spend with my kids. Um, you know, not having the phone there, not having the mm-hmm. TV on, not having the computer open. Um, I think just the intent of knowing that all of this can change so rapidly. Like your kids grow up, right? Your, you know, your spouse, you know, is only with you for so long. Just kind of yeah. taking these moments and making them valuable and meaningful today rather than looking back and thinking that I didn't do things that I wanted to do. And sometimes it's not possible to do the in- the things you want to do, but just verbalizing the intention of what you are trying to accomplish with somebody and, and how much you value them can be really helpful. Um, I started all of that, like this business, I wanted my daughters to know that there was a different way to do things. When your kids were little when you started this. They were this. so little. My youngest, I used to take her with me when I'd meet with contractors in the baby carrier. Yeah. And I'd have to step out and change her in the back of my car. <laughs> um, true story. Totally true story. Um, I just wanted them to know that there's a different way to do things. Mm-hmm. You don't have to that. have a life that looks like everyone else's. You don't have to deem success to look a single way. Mm-hmm. And you can create something that maybe by not everyone's standards is successful, but if it's what works for your life, then it is for you. Um, I had people tell me, and this is so ridiculous. I had people close to me tell me that they couldn't believe I was going to try to be a mom and work in a corporate career full time. Like that's just not what moms do. Right. (laughs) You're like, moms do this every day. Moms do this every day. But I think that there's still, you know, that moms still feel that guilt. Yeah. Christy talks a lot about, you know, Christy has Kaya and she talks a lot about the mom guilt. Yeah. And she's self-employed. Yeah. And it's still a thing. Yeah. I mean, when my, when I was working full time in my corporate career before I did the bit, before I started this business, um, I I went five years without ever seeing my oldest in the morning before she went to school. My mom would be there for me and put her – because I'd have to leave to go drive wow. 45 minutes to work. Yeah. And she didn't go to school until, you know, 8, 8.30, I think, at that time in the morning. My mom would get, you know, get her yeah. off to school. And so I realized, I think, during that time with her, I think as she was getting older, that's kind of coincides with when I went full-time on the mm-hmm. real estate side because I realized – I don't have forever to make these decisions and I don't have forever to be here in the morning and get her off to school. Mm -hmm. And so I need to figure this out now because there's a much better way that would work for us as a family than what I'm doing now. And then you could be there. Like, are you that mom that was like at every sporting event and every school thing? Yep. Because you've created that life. For both my kids, I volunteered in every classroom that they had. I love that. Yep. Um, I've, yeah. Yeah. It was, and, and my husband actually left his job. I was going to, I was going to ask if he had a corporate job or if he's in the business or what does no. that look like? So I brought, I roped him in to the business. Yeah. Um, and so he works in the business full time as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And that happened. He actually joined a year before I did. So what does he do in the business? So he's actually our project manager now. Awesome. Yeah. You have to have boots on the ground to be doing that. You That would probably be hard to do if you were still out, like you're finding the properties and talking yes. to banks. and. Yes. It was really hard to give that up though. Yeah. Because I like that part. <laughs> I don't mind it at all. 
I don't mind it at all. And he manages all the contractors and subcontractors okay. and keeps everybody on the calendars and schedules that we have in place. And when you're running, you know, four or five flips at a time, mm-hmm. you really do need somebody because, you know, inevitably somebody's going to run out of tile. Even though you ordered it and measured twice, right? right. They're going to run out of that subway tile for that shower surround like, or, right? Something's going to come up, you know, you yeah. want to build that deck and they need a survey. You got to get somebody out there to do the lot survey or... You know, there's all these small things that come up. Right. But again, these are things that happen when you're doing more than one project. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people like, you know, don't go into this or don't think that you have to have all the answers right away to managing multiple flips, you know, because sometimes for people finding one contractor is overwhelming, right? Right. So don't think about <laughs> having multiple projects. That's, that's you the know? state I'm in right currently. Yeah. I'm like, I am the contractor right now. I'm like, God, yeah. this is probably well, not money and well spent. So I got my contractor's license in 2010 um, because I wanted to better understand the construction part of the mm-hmm. processes that we were going through. But then it's really smart. When I got my real estate license um, in 2013, I told my husband, I was like, I'm going to let my contractor's license go mm-hmm. you can go get that <laughs> oh so he's so got that go and then he does have that estate. he does have that yeah. yeah how is it i so i didn't even know he was in the business how is that dynamic for your your household and your marriage it's we do it it doesn't seem to be a problem for us i think the biggest challenge we have is we have to very abruptly like now we're not when talking shop anymore. Yeah, we, now yeah. we're like home and, life. I mean, it does seep into like yeah. we were on spring break and we were like in the airport and he's like, you know, when we get back, we need a we need to pick the front door for this house and I need yeah. to know if you want white or black windows on this one and do you have an island color picked for this house? Like, yeah. you know, and I was like, no. <laughs> Just like, no. Replication. I think, <laughs> I think the biggest challenge we have is I'm a planner. So I'm like every Sunday, like I pretty much know what I'm going to be doing the next five days of the okay. week, right? So I always try to encourage him to like, hey, there's things you need from me this week. Make a list. Give yeah. it to me on Monday and then tell me on – I'll tell you like by the end of the week what the answers are. Yeah. He doesn't really do that. Okay. <laughs> so that's a little bit of a challenge. We have different work styles for yeah, sure. We learned that really quickly on our flip that we just finished with my husband and I. Mm-hmm. We've never done a flip together. Mm-hmm. We've only been married eight years. Oh, my gosh. Seven years. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I admire the fact that you guys can actually work really well together. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, it works. Okay, tell me about like a horror story, a flipping horror story. Like the, I don't know, grossest, nastiest, I don't know, something craziest crap that's ever happened. Oh, um, so we, this is really funny. So we used to, I used to find contractors on Craigslist. When I got really? started. Yes. Yeah. And I actually found some really good contractors on Craigslist. That's awesome. If you think about it, where else do they advertise? They don't. They just don't. It's like word right? of mouth. They're um, terrible with advertising. You no, know, it's been a long time since I've looked on Craigslist yeah. for a contractor. So I, who I, even uses Craigslist anymore? I don't even know. <laughs> is it still it's a thing? It's called Facebook Marketplace. Is it really? <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. Um, but uh, this wasn't somebody we found on Craigslist. I think this was a referral contractor for us. Um, and so... Okay, this is really funny. He, he called my husband um, and he said, hey, I hear you guys flip houses. And we were like, you know, my husband's like, yeah. And he's like, you know, I've got a crew. And he's like, I, I, I work with investors. And we were like, oh, great. We actually had a project that we mm-hmm. were looking to get some bids on because we get bids on all of our projects. And we always get bids from more than one contractor, even if it's people we've worked Smart. with for a really long time. It's good. Um, and so he meets my husband at the job site. 
and walks through the job with him and gives him a bid and it's like half of what everyone else had given us, right? You like red flags. Red and my flags. husband's like, I think, he, you know, I think he's, I think this could work. Like, he sounds like he's pretty solid. He's got a crew <laughs> of like eight guys. And I look at my husband and I'm like, did he give you references? And he's like, no. And I go, get references. I yeah. said, we don't hire anybody. And this is something I stick to firmly. I don't hire people we don't get references from. That's smart. At all. So <laughs> we get – and this is like two years ago. We get his um, – so he never – he sends over pictures yeah. of a house that he did. and But never anybody's name, never anybody's phone number. So I'm looking at these pictures and I can see the address on the exterior of the house. Yeah. I'm like – and he said this wasn't for an investor. So I'm like, well, I'm going to look up the house on the MLS. And, and I look up the house is and it I his find house? it. No, but I called the listing agent. And I left a message and I was like, hey, you know, I just wanted to check with you, this person who did this renovation yeah. on this house. And I said, I just wanted to ask you a few questions. The agent calls, actually, my husband left that message. Um, so the, the agent calls my husband back and he goes, did he actually give you my name and phone number? That was the first thing out of his mouth. <laughs> and I was like, uh, no. And my husband puts the phone down and puts it on speaker. And I had heard what had happened. Yeah. And then he was like, it was a nightmare having, he said, oh he, said it, he said it was my flip. The age, the listing agent was the flipper. hired, had hired, he him. hired the contractor from Craigslist. <laughs> and I don't know where he got him, oh but he gosh. said, he goes, they took three times as long as they were supposed to. They were never on site when they were. He's like, the budget yeah. was below, like double what they quoted oh me. He said it took, he said the quality was awful. He said, I mean, and I could see in the history on the MLS, they had had price decrease after price decrease. You're like, right? this is not a And good it had sign. taken them a while to sell the house. And he was like, never, I would never, never, ever recommend. <laughs> You're like, that's why and you I'm didn't like, give out anybody's that's name why and number. You check references, right? It's <sighs> so smart. You think, yeah, you think somebody, you know, and I, what was interesting when the guy called and said somebody had told him about us is I think he had said he'd gotten a referral from our electrician, which we've worked with our electrician for a really long time. Mm-hmm. But when my husband asked our electrician if he'd given out his name, he hadn't. So I don't know how he found us. Yeah. But anyways, just kind of that cautionary tale is you need to be able to confirm. Yeah. And the lowest number is not always the no. right one for a number to of reasons. To me, that usually is almost like a red flag. It's like, what did you miss? Like, yeah. if all the numbers are sort of ballpark and all yeah. of a sudden you get this screaming deal, you're like, yeah, that feels like it's Extremely too good to be true. Extremely off from, yeah. But who else is he preying on that didn't do their due diligence like you did? I don't know. That's what's crazy. You just never know. It's frightening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, what's your favorite flip that you've done? Oh, what's my favorite flip? Gosh, it sounds that's like asking which one of my children is my favorite. <laughs> I even like struggle when I like post before and after photos. So I'm like, this is the best flip ever. And then I'm like, well, you did one really a while not. ago where I saw on Instagram that you like the family came back and saw the house. Is that yeah. a pretty common thing for it you? Is. Actually, okay. it is. Um, and now that you mentioned that, um, we have people who sell their homes to us even though they might be getting offers from others. Okay. Because they know we're not going to tear it down. And, and they, they know what the kind of work do. we do. Yeah. Yeah. So I had I somebody actually refer to me the other day. I thought this was interesting. He has a client who wants to sell their family home and they know it needs work. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they're terrified of who might come in and do things to right. it. Um, but he showed them the portfolio of work that we've done. And, and he t- called us a legacy 
investor. Like he said, like they, they do the things that you would do to your house if you had the vision and the time and the money. Right. And I I thought that was really interesting. Um, That's like an ultimate compliment. Yeah. A legacy. Yeah. Builder, remodeler. Yeah. We actually have a house that we just put on last weekend. Um, that's already under contract. Is that the dark colored one? It is the one. Is that one on the market it's yet? It's the one and a half story with the shorter windows in the front. Ooh, I'm going to have to go look online. Um, with the green carpet inside. Okay. That, yeah, that yeah, video. Yeah. Um, so that was one where um, the person who was deciding who who the the seller decided that they wanted us to work on that house. Okay. So they, they walked through. But yeah, I mean, it's pretty common. We have people walk I through. I love that. We actually, when we close on properties and we know it's that type of a situation, yep. we'll already have the drawings ready. So we usually bring them to closing and we give them the oh, opportunity. Some people want to see them. Yeah. And some people are like, I just want to remember my house the way it was. Yep. But, you know, I appreciate it. So I love that. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that's the part sometimes that is missing for people with flipping too is they don't um, – there's not that connection, mm-hmm. you know, and they don't they don't think of it that way. And I, it's different now, obviously, than it was years ago when, you know, houses sat empty for years and you didn't mm-hmm. know the story behind them and and they were really in a state of complete disrepair and nobody could even habitate there, you know, right. like you couldn't. It was unlivable. Um, but yeah, I think there's definitely that connection and and that is very common that we get that request. I love that. Mm-hmm. My my flip that I we just finished the listing agent it was her best friend's condo, and and I told her I said I'm gonna make it pretty like I make everything pretty yeah and then when it went on the market last week she brought a buyer through yeah and she's like oh my gosh you did exactly what you said you were gonna do mm-hmm. and she's like my my best friend would have loved like what you did to her house mm-hmm. and so I was like yeah that's yeah. why I did it I think that it, it's it, special it, yeah it is special and it reinforces the integrity yeah when you tell them what you're gonna do and then you do what you said right. you were gonna do and then they can right. see. That you did it and you didn't cut corners, you didn't do things. You're not just like a hack. Yeah. 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 I think that's Especially. something that translates for them and then it also translates for buyers too. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. And you, so you have your real estate license. I do. Do you also work with just the average buyer or seller or are I you have. just your, Yes. what do I you have. prefer? Just working to be your own client? So you know, it's interesting because there's, so many people who are doing different things in the market. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much to know about real estate. It's incredible, like how many different avenues that you can go with a real estate license. A hundred percent. That people don't even think about. Yes. They? Yes. So, I mean, if I had an infinite amount of time, I would do everything <laughs> just because I feel like there's so much value in being able to help people. Yeah. So, but because of that, I do limit what we do just to like, I will list houses and I will help people who are close to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually just listed my sister's house and um, I spent so much time. I would just, I I spent so much time doing things that I would do to a flip to her house at a much smaller scale because her house was obviously in beautiful condition. Um, But I was like, this is a lot of work. (laughs) Well, yeah. But if it's also a reflection of your work when most people see your flips, yeah, you probably have a reputation you want to uphold with your listings. But I will also say it explains why there's a lot of listing photos that you can tell are taken on an iPhone, right? There's a process to, uh, you know, to to maximizing the exposure and and making a listing look Mm -hmm. as amazing as possible. That's a process. 
Oh yeah. You know, and there's the, you know, there's the emotional state of the sellers and what they're going through. Yes. And that is something that requires a lot of, you know, finesse mm-hmm. and, you know, you've got to really like navigate, you know, and then if it's a husband and wife and they're not on the same page or, oh, yeah. you know, or I mean, there's, a, there's a lot divorce. of nuances. Oh, yeah. Divorce. God yes. Bless. Yes. Yeah. Or, you know, and they're, and they might be moving into another house and they might be having things that they're uncertain about with that house. And that might be, it's, it's it, a lot. It is a lot. It is a lot, which is why I primarily stay in the, in the working for yourself. Working for yourself. <laughs> and it goes, that goes hand in hand. We get asked a lot to do client renovation projects. Oh, like yeah. Like doing kitchens, bath. You do know, you do that? Do you take those we on? We do not. We don't because we've just felt up to this point it's much easier when you're in charge of yourself. When we're in charge of ourselves, <laughs> we're not trying to navigate someone else's timeline or schedule. Yeah. A lot of people live in their houses during these types of, mm-hmm. and it can be stressful. I've I've lived through my own. Me too. It's a nightmare. I've lived in my basement I don't and microwaved it. food. It sucks. <laughs> it is awful. Yeah, awful. Years ago, my husband took out the first time he ever took out a non-load bearing wall in our house. And I happened to be pregnant at the time and we had popcorn ceilings and neither one of us, this is way before we did this for our business. None of that, neither one of us thought that, that was a problem. Like we took out a long load bearing wall that on a popcorn ceiling. So then we had this strip down the ceiling and we went to Home Depot and there's a popcorn ceiling kit. It doesn't the, work. No. It literally no, does not work. You're still He's see on a step stool with a Q-tip, like trying to put these chunks up and I'm sitting on the steps Going, crying this looks because terrible. I'm like, this looks awful. Oh yeah, like, so this- what did we do? Like, <laughs> like now we got to scrape the ceiling. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. So we ended up having to move out while that happened because it happened. It was the that's a, the yeah, worst. It was. It was the worst. Yeah, but I mean, it's just all part of the lesson, though. Like yeah. you just you have to learn. You don't know what you don't know. <laughs> you don't know what you don't know until you start messing stuff up. You can't fix it right either. So, yeah. Well, I feel so, like I, I feel like I didn't answer the last question exactly how you asked. No, your it, but... favorite property you flipped, oh, but I get I get yeah. why that's hard to answer because you probably love them all for different reasons. I, I love would them imagine all for different reasons. Yeah, I think there's um, there's one property that I did three years ago that I think really changed the trajectory of how I design, um, and I would say that was probably and it pushed me into a different price point. What it, what about it? Um, what we sold it for. No, but like, what about the design? Like, what did you do differently that you hadn't done prior? So what I did differently that I hadn't done before was I got more bold, I think, okay. with the design. So I did a very, it was the first one I think I ever did a dark island in. Mm-hmm. And then I had custom end panels created and then I designed the vent hood and we went with the vent hood and the under counter microwave, you know. So I did a few things that necessarily you wouldn't look at from a budget standpoint and think that that makes sense. You just made it, but you made it custom. But we made it custom. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what elevated the next, all of the houses after yeah. that then was the response that. to that one. Yeah. Cause I mean, anyone can put a microwave over a range and yes. be and like, sometimes yeah. we have to have space. Tight, I know. Right. But if you don't have to, you can make it way more beautiful. Yeah. And I think that's where too, the, the way I look at projects now too, is obviously we have a budget, but I'm a little. I've got a little bit more flexibility on the design side with mm-hmm. the budgets now because we're working in different price points, where I don't want people to necessarily walk into a house that we've worked on and and see like something they would see in thirty other houses. Right. I want it to feel different, and that that requires there be some different things. Your style is very you. It's like it's so beautiful. Oh, thank you. 
I love it. Yeah. And I that's not any formal training at all. So I get asked that question a lot. Yeah. I went to school for finance and corporate <laughs> communication, not design. But I think people get, you know, people get so, they get so scared and they think to themselves, I could never do this. Mm-hmm. I could never, how would I go into a tile shop and pick, the, you know, the, and I'm like, it's just, it's three decisions in a bathroom, right? Well, yeah. And there's professionals there that can help <laughs> guide you through that can it. Help you. you know, if you're at a good tile place, and don't most, go to the- Yeah. And most flips, like, I'm mean, like the first six years I flipped, I didn't really go to the tile shop. I was going mm-hmm. to Home Depot and Lowe's and, mm-hmm. you know, there's great online sources too. So- you know, just keep something. And if you keep something simple and just replicate it and make small tweaks to it. Are you getting, are you on in, online look, getting inspiration like as you go or is a lot of it just organic when you walk into your, a new space? Yeah. Are you on house and Pinterest? Like I always tell my clients to do. Yeah. I mean, I love Pinterest. I think mm-hmm. that's probably one of the easiest search engines mm-hmm. to find things. Yeah. There's like the only eight thing kajillion is, photos. There is, but there's so much old stuff on there because it never and goes there's, away. Yeah. There's a bunch of ugly, outdated there are crap. Some really... I'm like, if I see any more Joanna Gaines style, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. I'm n- I'm not necessarily the farmhouse yeah. fan. I will say I don't know that I ever really was no. all in on that <laughs> no, in neither. some aspects. Small bits I, I'm fine with. Um, but even her style has evolved completely. Yeah, she's totally into modern now. Yes. Her modern vibe much, is a thousand times better than what she was doing things. before. Yeah. Um, Instagram, it's a little bit harder to search. I think oftentimes when I'm searching on on platforms, I'm either finding the like custom homes that are mm-hmm. done out in California or... I love... That's yeah. where I get a lot of oh my, my gosh. stuff where I'm like, Absolutely oh my gosh, gorgeous. if I could remodel my house, I would yes. totally go gangbusters. But I mean, it's it's a $25,000 custom vanity. So right. that's likely not happening in a flip. <laughs> You're like, how Just can saying. I recreate this on a budget? Right. But I do I do think about that. I think about how could I recre- recreate this on a budget? What, what could I do to make this vibe happen right. in a property without spending that, you know? Yeah. The beautiful quartz countertops on these custom vanities that are like four inches tall, right? I know. I mean, that's that's insanity. Yeah. I mean, those are those are multiple million dollar houses. Yeah. Right. So we've got to kind of temper that a little bit. But that is where I get a lot of inspiration, and I think just even combinations of materials, mm-hmm. like just seeing like a wood vanity with mm-hmm. you know a herringbone tile installed in the you know in that herringbone pattern. And doing something different with your subway tile. Like, I'm a big fan of subway tile. Me too. It's so classic. It's classic. And you can do so fun many things with ways. it. Yes. Yeah. And just altering the scale of it, doing a four by 12 one time, yeah. doing an eight by 12 another, you can always change it up. But using different grouts, mm-hmm. those types of things, I think keeping it simple makes it a lot easier and a lot less overwhelming. And again, when you're getting started and you're, if that's the one thing that really freaks you out, Look on other people's pages and replicate what they did. You know, yeah. go to rip off and know, duplicate is the biggest form of flattery. Oh, for sure. And you yeah. know, I mean, that's it's very simple to do, and you don't have to have a lot of experience to do it. Um, I think again, it's just one of those barriers that people like to kind of put up and say, "Well, I don't know how to do this." Well, it's easy to figure out. Excuses are, yeah, yeah. It's easy to have excuses rather than taking action. Right. And if you're absolutely terrified and you don't want anything to do with it, you can probably hire somebody for $500 to $1,000 to make those choices for you. Mm-hmm. And then you're completely removed from them if that makes you feel better. <laughs> but and you're like, hopefully it's going to look awesome. Hopefully it's going to look awesome. <laughs> yes, for sure. 
But you don't need a design background. You don't need a real estate background. You don't need no. a renovation. You don't need any of that no. to make this happen. No, you didn't have any of that to begin with. No. And look, you have all of it now, but yeah. it didn't start there. No, it did not. And there was, but there was no place you're going to get it either, unless you do it. Right. You can't go get design experience and you know picking yeah. selections for 200 plus flip projects, right? Because at that point, is that's that how many is yeah. that how many you've done? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. How many projects do you do a year? We probably do between, depending on timing. Right. Um, I would say ten is pretty standard. Ten to twelve. Well, because you're doing. We try to. I try to buy one a month, but sometimes it just doesn't work that way with time. You know, sometimes we get held up on a closing. Yeah. Sometimes you know, with the last couple of years, if it's a probate property, we've got to wait for some court documents. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes there's just no inventory, and so we just have to kind of wait and see what happens. Sometimes we're feel it feels like we're you know, working at warp speed because we get something done and we've got five offers in 24 hours. That's what's been happening lately. Right. So, yeah. Wow. And then they want to close in three weeks and we're like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's you- really barely enough time to go find another project and get it under contract right? and get it planned out and ready to go. You have. Right, right. Do you do all of your staging or do you hire that out too? So I traditionally have done all of my own staging. And I've just I think acquired... when I first started following you, you were talking about like putting the finishing touches on properties and yep. staging. So I wasn't sure if that was something that Yep. I've did. acquired quite a collection of furniture. Yeah. Um, but because of the volume and the speed we've been doing things at in the last couple of years, I've had to bring in a staging company to do it for me. Mm-hmm. Um but I do that reluctantly. Because I just don't it's feel not your, it's not you you picking everything out. Yeah, it's it's not just that's part of it but i still think for a lot of people with staging it's really just about putting furniture in a room so people know how to use it Mm -hmm. i don't think it necessarily is what helps the house shine yeah and so there's a difference so i've distinguished there's a difference between staging and styling yep and i'm a styler yeah. So to do staging, you know, to have somebody do staging is really difficult for me. But I, that makes when sense. we talk about time value of money, I have yeah. to kind of now look at things too because the cost of moving trucks has gone up. I mean, we pay for Everything. movers to move yeah. things and it's double what it used to be. Yeah. Um, before that, we would move stuff in our trucks alone by ourselves. My husband and I would. I used to do all the staging myself too. <laughs> and I like wrangling my husband. I'm like, eight o'clock yeah. Saturday morning, get up, yeah. daddy I'll get you coffee. If and you've you got to time it with the road. And come. Oh my gotta God. Got to time it with the weather so you don't get road slushed yeah. in Minnesota. And then your furniture, your furniture gets furniture. trashed. Yep. And 100%. You're like fixing it up with like furniture markers yeah. where it got banged up in the yeah. staircase. I remember when I discovered <laughs> a couple moments where I was like, oh, wow. As, um, I used to clean all of our flips before we put them on the market. Wow. Um, and that would take me like three or four days because oh, I yeah. would do it in chunks of yeah. time because I didn't have an entire day to devote to it or even two days. Um, so I remember the first time I actually had somebody do it and it was like $150. And I was like, <laughs> what have I been doing with my life? Yeah, really? <laughs> um, I was like, what? And I just, I gave, I walked them through in the morning and I came back. I mean, it's a vacant house, right? Yeah. It's been through construction. So it's, it's a lot of dust and a lot of yeah. dust, right? I came back at the end of the day and I was like, oh my God. You're like, how the I hell do they do doing? this? Um, <laughs> you like light bulb moment. perspective, right? Like, you know, I thought I was saving us money and, right. you know, but at the same time I was caught, it was taking me longer to do yeah. it. So you got to figure that into it. Um, and then I remember when I felt like a freaking genius, when I was like, we should hire a moving company to move the furniture and staging stuff. My husband was like, what? He's like, that's going to cost us money. I was like, 
Well, it costs us like three or four days again to do it because yeah. you've got a, a truck, right. I've got an SUV, right? Right, and we're and we've got you know we're trying to navigate, <laughs> and you can only fit certain things in your car, and then we've yeah. got to make sure it's not going to snow. And I mean, it was just crazy, and so I, I felt like a genius. But now we're to the point where the cost of hiring somebody to stage mm-hmm. is almost what we're paying to have two rounds of movers come with right. the trucks and everything. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, it's yes, everything has gotten more expensive. There's no question, no question at all. But you know, we also can't buy houses for twenty four thousand dollars anymore. Uh, yeah, you can't even flip it for twenty four thousand dollars anymore. <laughs> you Not. can maybe flip a bathroom for a luxury bathroom. I just had somebody tell me they got a bid for a bathroom for fifty four thousand. Yeah, it's insane. And yeah. I'm like, wow. I had a client put out like $150,000 into their kitchen in a house in Maple Grove. And I'm like, the kitchen's beautiful, but holy. I might have told I might have told one of my kids they should learn to be an electrician. <laughs> oh, yeah. Any young people nowadays, I'm like, get into the trades. trades. There's so trades, much money in there. Trades. And you can like name your dollar right She now. probably, she, she looked at me like I had lost my mind. But I know, actually I have a girlfriend that got out of nonprofit work and is an electrician. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. She, she's a little, she's a new mama. She gets to work her own hours. She yeah. knows how to do everything. Mm-hmm. She shows up on the job site, and they're like, "Wait a second, what is a girl doing here?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, the She's electrician like, yeah, we work with. Get they out of the way. Some, they have some women too. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, girl power. Mm-hmm. So cool. It is cool. This conversation was so much fun. <laughs> I'm like, I know you have other appointments, but I could sit and talk to you all day long. <laughs> okay, Amber, Wig, you need to tell everyone where they can find you. Like, sure. Where's the best place to find so, you? So right now, Threshold Homes MN on Instagram and Facebook. And that's where you can find me and follow me and see what I do on a daily basis. I do some behind the scenes um, as I'm scoping out fixer uppers. If you want to see I progress, love those. yes. Yeah. Um, some of the choices I make have the transformation of the houses, and then ultimately the before and afters are always one of the fan favorites when we get and those then, out there. Well, in your educational stuff, where can yes. people find that too? Yep. So if you go to Instagram, there is actually a link in the in bio. Your bio. Yep. Okay. So we do the House Flip Blueprint course. That's the eight-week program that I do um, a couple times a year where we bring in a group of people and we do everything online. So no matter what market you're working in, I've got students who are in North Carolina, Kentucky, Texas, Arizona, That's California, awesome. right? It's so cool to have that input and that perspective in different markets because the core values and fundamentals of flipping work in any market. Just your numbers might be a little bit different, obviously, depending on where you're working. And then there's so much things, there's so many things that people are doing virtually as well now and partnering with people Mm -hmm. that it makes it a lot easier to do this business, even in different markets, if that's what you're choosing to do. But that's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Go to Instagram. Find Amber, reach yes. out to her, and just go follow her beautiful flips. You're going to just <laughs> fall in love instantly, I promise. Well, until next time, bus yes. bench babes, keep your face off a bus bench and keep being a badass boss babe that you are. Okay, girls, are you feeling as inspired as we are? We're over here cheering you on because you just finished another episode of the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast. If you want more, head over to girlgetyourfaceoffabusbench.com for show notes and more episodes. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. They mean the world to us and they're what keep us going. Girl, thanks for being here.